So, today's daf is Samachal of 61, and we pick up um, at the middle of Samachal Mibet, so we're a little bit behind. Um, we're back to the halachic part of the uh, Mishnah, um, and the Mishnah spoke, uh, the, we're still now things are Darche Shalom, keeping the peace, and the uh, middle again, Tudat, Ma'arvin Bivayt Yashan Mibnei Darche Shalom. You put the Erev in an old house, the house that it's been being put in, until now, because of ways of peace, right, so like the loaves of bread, or whatever. Um, so, my time, what's the Darche Shalom? that it's like an honor you know I'm the one who they keep the bread in their house and like, so then if they take it out of your house then it feels like a slap in the face there was a shipura which Rashi says it was a shofar they would use to blow to warn people that it was going to be Shabbos um, Tosin says it would be a shofar that would sort of be a uh, like a box in which they would you know shaped like a shofar like you put a little coin in the slot and it has a wide thing at the bottom um, and they would use to uh, sort of collect the funds um, uh, for he actually quotes one of the Geonim I think he says where is it um, uh, yeah so anyway like yeah so it would be some money that would be collected oh yeah Rashi quotes it in the name of one of the Geonim because which, which well but it also reflects the reality in the time of the Geonim that they would collect donations in order to maintain the issue vote anyway okay what yeah exactly there you go anyway um um, okay, so the Hahu Shipur the Havimei Kar Bei Rav Yehuda first was in the house of Rav Yehuda, or Lusof Bei Rabba, and then when Rav Yehuda died or whatever, moved to the house of Rabba, Lusof Bei Rav Yosef, and then the house of Rav Yosef, Lusof Bei Abaye, and then Abaye, Lusof Bei Rava, and then Rava's house. So Raj, you know, the problem is that they did all live in the same place. So anyway, um, yeah. but uh, Tosa sort of says, you know, well that's because they're moving around in terms of. Who but all these are alive at the same time. Isn't they it? were no, they weren't alive. Rashi says they weren't passed away. So the no, point. They were alive at the same time. Somewhere. Anyway, Rashi says, uh, where's Rashi? Um, Shayaroshi Shiva Pumpadisa, Basof Kishiniftar, Malach Rabba, that knew of a toe, Basarabba, Malach Rev Yosef, etc. Okay? So, that's, so anyway, so Rashi says it was when they passed away. Anyway, the sense is, you're right, I don't really get the Gemara's question, but the sense is, well, if it's a covered issue, then you should keep it in that person's house even after they pass away. No to take, well, but that's, I guess, the idea of Vait Yashan, you know, you should keep it in the place it's being, being kept. Yeah, I didn't really fully get the question, I must, I, I tell you. Um, okay, so the Gemara says, um, Ella says the Gemara, um, where were we? Betosus points out, um, where were we? Yeah, Tosa says right now, but the previous Tosa says right. Yehuda Hayav b'Pumpadisa of Rava b'Mechuza. So clearly, you know, we're not talking about. So Tosa says, oh, but because it's where they're switching around, who's do, who has the main yeshiva? So it's not all in the same place, you know. So you're assuming Pumpadisa can help from Mechuza? Ah, uh, yeah, ah, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know what to say. Um, I don't know. I think to, I understood that Tosus was assuming that there was, um, yeah, like who was the main. I mean, we'll, we read the next Tosus, okay? Anyway, so the Mar says, because of Chshad. What's the Chshad? So Rashi says the Chshad is that um, since they used to keep the Arab in one person's house, and then people will go into that house and they won't see the Arab there, then they'll assume the Arab is still being kept there. They won't realize it changed. And then they'll say, like, oh, 
so you didn't make an Arab, so the whole everybody in this mob in this in this courtyard is carrying without an Arab. So since people are used to seeing the Arab in a particular place, if you switch the location, it's not you're doing a dishonor to the house or the person in whom the Arab was said was kept. It is that you are spelt, you know sort of encouraging uh, uh, you know ill repute amongst the people who are of the courtyard, because people will think that you're no longer maintaining the Arab. Okay, I still don't really fully get the idea with the chauffeur, but if you look at the next tosos, just to help us understand a little better. Not that they'll think that you didn't make an Erev, but they'll think, why did they take it out of this guy's house? Must be they can't trust him anymore. Now, why don't you say, but if you're moving the uh, tzedakah box, if Tosa says it's a tzedakah box, if you're moving tzedakah, all the more than people should suspect that you don't trust the guy. So they know that that gets moved around to the person who's the Rosh Hashiva. Like, so, so therefore they understand that it goes to the next Rosh Hashiva and for him to distribute his Talmidim. So somehow that answers Tosus's point that they went from, you know, Pumpa to Mechuzah or whatever. Somehow the main Rosh Hashiva was the one who was understood had the shofar in his house. Anyway, I don't exactly understand the analogy to the shofar. Moving on. Moses like this. Now we deal with a well that was near the... Um, a, uh, what do you call it, a canal um, that they would use, and who would have the water rights to fill from the canal first. So Itmar was said, So now, here it's going to seem like they're exactly directing, addressing the case in the Mishnah. You've got this river. Rav says, it's the people at the bottom of the river that have the first right to draw from the river. It's the people at the top of the river. So the Gemara says, if it's a running river and you're not afraid that the water will ever run out or another way of reading is that is if you're drawing the water as the river is running without damming up the water nobody disagrees that everybody can just you know use it at will it's a running river and people are just free to use it when do they debate the miskar when it comes to the issue of damming it up and then using that to like uh, water the uh, field so who has the right to dam up the river right so that's the real question they're the ones that have the first right to dam it up and draw water from it and then let it continue on its path um, the army because they say we're closer we're closer to the outlet of the water I mean you know where the water comes from what's that called the origin anyway um, no 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 the ones at the bottom the army no you gotta let the water run its course so you can't stop it up when, at the beginning of it when it's towards the end of its course we have a right to, to change the course of things, but not, not at the beginning. Um, by the way, that's in phrase kipashte, as it spreads out, there's a famous phrase which talks about the acknowledging the legitimacy of different min hagim, and it's nahara, nahara, upashte. Each river and it's like tributaries, each river and it's like tributaries, where it spreads out to. It's like, you know, everything has like different, you know, so like, so it acknowledges like a range of different practices. Anyway, so let the water, you know, let the water just run its course, okay? So, um, so, uh, one minute. Um, let me just see. Yeah, I think Rashi also points out the path, points out, it's not just let it run its course, but, um, um, one minute. Right, one minute. Yeah, I think the way Rashi explains it, 
that um, that the point also is is that as it's running down, right, there are these tributaries. That's the Pashte, right? So there are these tributaries. So the people up here say we want to get the water first because as it's going to go down here and settle this, there'll be very little water left. I, again, I don't know, you know, so it's going to be hard for us to sort of, you know, get water if we don't stop this up. Whereas down here, the people are saying, no, you know, we have to allow it to go through the, tri- to feed off into the tributaries to feed those other fields. It's not fair to stop it before it's done that. And we should only be, have the right to stop it down here after it's done all of that, and then we can collect the water. Okay? So now the Gemara says like this. Um, uh, where are you? Okay. Uh, it says the well that is close to the uh, to the channel gets to be filled up because of ways of peace. So it sounds like close means closest to the beginning of it. So how does that work according to Rav? So Targumah Shmuel, I'll leave it to Rav. I always love it when you have that. So Shmuel, who argues on Rav, says this Mishnah supports me, actually like gives Rav a hand and says, you know what? Even though the Mishnah supports me, I can explain the Mishnah according to you. We're all in this together. So, that, the, that it goes directly um, by, the, by the well, which means what? Which means, basically, thank you, that you don't have to stop it up. Okay, that it just passes by the well, or maybe you know, and it fills up the well, and it can fill it up without having been to be stopped up. So it is not the case that we said we were discussing. Rashi says, "Shemit Okay, then you don't have to stop it up, which of course then means that what's the darche shalom? Then if it's just running and it's overflowing and pouring into my well, it's not exactly clear what the darche shalom is. Maybe that we allow you to dig the well in that location. Um, anyway, so that's how we deal with that. Although. Again, not exactly clear what the Darche Shalom is in that case. Um, it's the Gemara says, which is essentially what the Tosa says, the Gemara says, so what's the Chiddush? No, because I might think that you can, able, that you can say to them um, that you have to close up your, your well, okay, and then, um, because, uh, and then you can go ahead and, uh, and, 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 and uh, what do you call it? Hold on. Right. You know, you because if you have your well right over here, right, which is essentially what I said, you didn't have to dig the well there, right? So you have your well over here, you're allowed to let it spill into your well. So the Gemara says, obviously, what else are you supposed to do? No, because I might say that you're required to cover your well so that you can let the river feed into the tributaries, because by filling it up here, you're not being fair to the people down here. Maybe you're obligated to close it off here, and then, like, fill it up afterwards. So it's telling you you're not obligated to do that. If it naturally flows into your well, you're okay. But that is not relevant to the debate of whether you are allowed to dam up the river and whether we give the people at the top the right to dam up the river. But if naturally their well fills, we don't say that, oh, they have to close it up to allow these people down here to get more water, you know, running off. Um, okay. Um, so, uh, all right. So now the most says like this. Um, uh, where were we? Uh, okay. Um, since we haven't ruled whether like Rav or like Shmuel whoever is stronger wins out first come first serve which basically is like that's the exact problem of Darchi Shalom right you know it's like okay great go find it out like can you please come up with some system okay I mean just divide maybe alternate months or something but you know it's like so funny that it's completely opposite of uh, what do you call it of, of, of Darchi Shalom yes 
the Persians who ruled the region for 800 yeah. years would probably have had established... Oh, that's an, uh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I don't know what uh, to say about that. I don't that. know whether the documents are available... To Unless they or. gave the uh, Jews a certain amount of, uh, you know, of, uh, of autonomy. Well, they, yeah. wouldn't, they wouldn't have given the Jews all the water in the Euphrates River. Well, that's true. Limited. I don't know what to say. Rashim Barash, you have to come there by. Now, Rashim Barash, you can draw by. Amalai, Losin Mar Bi'idna. Like, uh, you know, it basically means sit down with me at a time. But basically means it's like, teach me Torah. Amalai, Isli Idna Lididi. You know, the only time I have, I have to spend in my own learning. So, I'm sorry, I don't have time to teach you Torah. What? Yep. The Losin, I mean, he was a good guy. Whatever. He gave, he gave a shir in Yeshiva. He did other things. You know, he had a, an hour of filing on his own for his own learning. And well, he went to Exactly. When, are you, when am I supposed to teach you? I'm a lay, so he said to him, um... I'm sorry. Um, how about at night? You know, you're not teaching at night. So, and uh, so, I'm easily. I'm sorry. I'm No, I have to go and water my fields. Right? See that rabbis had jobs. I'm a lay. No, don't worry. Um, Lamar, I'll take care of watering your fields if you go if you teach me at night. Okay, um, Lamar, my um, mama, I'll do that in the day. I'll water your fields in the day. and teach me at night. I'm lay. Fine. Good. I'd rather teach you Torah anyway than water myself. So now what did he do? Rav Shimi Bar Ashi, in order to make it convenient for him to water the field. So he went to the guys at the top of the field, at the top of the river, and Amalu, he said to them, You know, there, uh, we paskin that the guys at the bottom have the right to dam up the, wet, the river. So then he went to the guys at the bottom, and Amalu, he lied to the You know, we paskin that the guys at the top have the right to dam up the river. So therefore, neither of them were damming up the river because they took his halachic authority. Um, and he got to be the first one to dam up the river and the overflow, whatever, allowed his, you know, fields to get watered nice and conveniently. Okay? I don't know whatever happened to not making a cardam lachter bow. Okay? He came to buy it. What? You in on my behalf like two opposing positions? Like, you know, and this is like you know I get have I get you know like this gets attributed to me then this is completely inappropriate. So the Lord Taiminu Abayi leperi dehishata. So Abayi refused to eat the produce from his fields of that entire year because of this inappropriate uh, thing that was done. One one is it was just done once and he refused to eat the produce of the field. Anyway, so okay. Hanu um, Anyway, Tosu says so Tosu is trying to understand how we could do such a such a. Uh, 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 you know, like an unjust thing. So if you look at Tosos, Kibetre avidly, Tosos says, Ruhusavar, Kivan Damar called Alim Gavar. So since it's the, whoever is, grabs it first, so, so then it's a total free for all. So Yochalaharim Alayem. Okay? Doesn't just mean the top versus the bottom, it means it's a total free for all. Alright, anyway. So now the story says like this. Hanubay Bnei Ber Kharmach, the people of this place of Kharmach, the Azu Korboresha, the Shanvasa, the Hadrua so what they did is they dug at the top of a, uh, at the top of this river called Shanvasa, um, and they um, and what they basically did is they you had a river that was going, and they had their fields over here. So what they did is they dug, is they created a, a channel, you know, an, an, a canal that caused the river to go off course and go like this and go around their fields. All right. So, um, 
and then they had to come back like went, they got the channel to make, make it sort of go off course and go around their fields and then it came back and spilled out into the bottom of the river alright um, so the people from the top fields who now the river had been you know taken off course and wasn't going by their fields they came to Abaye they're destroying a river you know what? Why not dig it a little deeper? Um, now, not exactly clear what the uh, digging it a little deeper would have done, but somehow, um, somehow that that would have, the, uh, you know, I don't exactly get the mechanics, but somehow the thought was, was that if you dug it deeper, then maybe the, uh, the water would go below and it wouldn't all flow into this channel, you know, or the water would run faster, so you would somehow get more water to go to your fields. Yeah, anyway, that was a suggestion of how to solve the problem. So, Amalei, Kayafi Peirin, no, that won't work, because then it'll be too low down, and our fruit will dry up. So go get out of here. Now, the question is, who did he say, go get out of here to? Rashi said, Abai said, go get out of here to the people that did this, because they're destroying the river. But Tozo says, that's not what it sounds like. It sounds like he was talking to the people who was complaining. So he basically had to say to them, like, I can't help you. We rule called all in Gvar. Okay? So this is a very disturbing, like, end of the Gemara, you know? You have all these things, this Nei Darchei Shalom, and because they can't decide on the debate of Rav and Shmuel, you get to this thing, which is like, the exact opposite of Darchei Shalom, makes people feel that they've been taken advantage of, or that they, you know, uh, that it's been unjust, and it encourages maybe deceptive behavior. So one really wonders, like, how, you know, wh- what the logic is of allowing it to end this way. Okay. What are wars in the Western United States? I guess so. Uh, yeah. That, that we no longer have a Darchei Shalom in place here. We have a Kodalim Gvar approach. I thought he's saying to the Karma they have to remove their, their, their diversion. No, that's why Rashi says it. Yeah. So this is that he's saying to the guys that are complaining, just get out of here, I can't help you. Rashi at least has a more just resolution. Rashi okay, so he says to these guys, you're not allowed to do it. Yeah, but Tosa says, he says to the people who are complaining, I can't help you, call Dalim Gavar. So, not a very pleasant end to the sugya, right? <laughs> All right. So now the Gemara continues. So your, tra- your, your animal traps trap something, so you don't yet, you yet haven't taken possession of it, so it's considered theft because of Darche Shalom. Okay, and Reb Yossi says it's real theft. So the Gemara says the farm, but you don't yet really own it. Gemara says, the Uzli Uhari, in things like our nets and other types of like, uh, uh, like wicker baskets, if you're using for fishing, nobody disagrees, not meaning Tanakam and Reb Yossi, and it's not even, you don't even need Darche Shalom, you really own it. It's inside of a vessel that you own, right? So that's considered a Kenyan Kli, it's like it's on your property. Kipli, what's the debate? Belechi Vikukari, that you basically have like a type of a, of hooks, or Rasias Kukari is a, uh, like if you put like, like a wall down with like a, uh, protrusions, I guess, so that the fish or whatever that come to it, like, get themselves caught on, you know, on the, uh, on the spikes, okay, but it's still not being contained in a vessel, so you don't really haven't taken possession of it. I wonder what would happen about those, you know, those uh, bear traps, you know, those things that catch the animal by the leg, oh. right? Is that considered that it's in your vessel? You know, I mean, that's, the vessel doesn't really have a container, right? There's, like, it's just, it's, it's air there, and also only the leg is in the vessel, so I assume that would be a similar scenario of, uh, uh, 
of that you don't really own it yet and it's only Darkei Shalom okay similarly Matthias Chayr Shad Vakatan if Chayr Shad Vakatan finds something they uh, it's theirs because of Darkei Shalom and Rabbi Yossi says about both of these Gezel Gomor no it's real theft now the question is why is it real theft how did they take possession of it or how did your trap take possession of it so the Gemara says Amar Av Chizah Gezel Gomor Midivrayim Rabbi Yossi doesn't really mean it's real theft because again there's no way that the Chayr Shad Vakatan really took possession or there's no way the trap really is considered to now you've owned it because it's in your trap so if one says it's Gezel because of Darchei Shalom and one says it's Gezel Midurabanan what difference does it make? they're both saying that it's Gezel based on a rabbinic enactment so the Gemara says ah if you actually violated our rule and you did steal it from somebody else okay the rabbi told me I'm not supposed to uh, take something out of your trap I'm going to go ahead and take it anyway and I took all the fish out of your net out of your trap no, well not your net whatever you know off of your hooks so now can that guy come and basically bring me to court so if it's only then it's only like a rule about how I was supposed to behave but it doesn't mean that actually this is now not considered that I don't own it but if it's the rabbis say no even after the fact you don't own it the other guy owns it okay so that is a big nafkanina okay now you've got a poor person up on an olive tree presumably an ownerless olive tree knocking down shaking the tree knocking down the olives he didn't take possession of anything he didn't go in, it didn't go into his hand so that's, that's but it's his mitnei darchei shalom um, if he plucked it with his hand then it's real theft that he took possession of it it went into his hand so Tos says isn't that obvious so Tos says well what it means was was that it didn't really like stop in the palm of his hands. It means like, you know, you pricked it off like this. You know, imagine like, you know, you, you, know, you, know, you know, so if you take a look at Tosos, near the Itzrich Lashmina and Betal Shembiado, you plucked it with your hand, and then you drop it below. You didn't hold on to them to actually hold them. It was just an act of pulling it off the tree. So you might say, well, that's not really taking possession. It didn't really, if you want on your person for the sense of like it being with you. Nevertheless, that is considered enough of an act of Kenyan and it really is yours in that case even on a Doraisa level okay now we have a story Rav Kahana went to Gavra. he saw a person um, that um, Rabbi Yoshaya will be this will be important at the end of the story is the, is the authority in Hutso. anyway he saw a person he was throwing uh, like uh, palm branches and knocking down um, knocking down uh, dates now there's a debate of Rashi tells us how to read this first I'll read it the way Rashi is Rashi is he took the palm branches and he was like javelin throw them like up to the palm tree, okay, to knock down the dates. Okay, so the Kanati Tami Azil Kamanaki Vachil. So you know, Rav Kahana went and he said, "All right," but he hasn't taken possession of them yet. So he ate the dates. Now the problem with that story is, whatever happens to Darchei Shalom, right? Mm-hmm. I and mean, Darchei Shalom is exactly like knocking down the olives. Okay, but we'll read the story like Rashi and then Nateyatos reads it. Amulei Chazimar Dibiadashati Sinhu. Hey, you know. I knocked those down with my own hands. I mean, and uh, what are you doing taking them? Now, is that saying that that's similar to the Gemara before about when he plucked it? So here he didn't pluck it, though. Here he only, like, used his koah, right? So is he saying that it's really his gesel gomor? Is he saying it's darchei shalom? Not exactly clear. You must be from the place of Reb Yoshaya. He teaches you the halacha. 
the righteous is the foundation of the world, like he's teaching, you know, he taught you the halachas. Okay, but it doesn't exactly explain what you were doing trying to take it. So anyway, um, so Tosus has a different explanation. Um, so Tosus says that what he's doing is, he's at the head of the palm tree, and he's actually knocking down the palm branches. So, in, so, so, Reb Yosha, so not Rabbi Yoshai, who is this guy? Uh, Rav Kahana thought he was not, was it Rav Kahana? Yeah. Okay. Thought he wasn't interested in the dates. He thought this guy's only interested in getting down the branches and the dates are falling accidentally so he's not even trying to get the dates or I can take the dates. And then he said, no, I'm knocking the dates down also with my hands. I, I'm, I am interested in the dates, right? And I'm shaking it also to get the dates to go down and therefore it's back to the Dark Shalom. All right. So now the Gemara is like this. Now we get to these like two lines of the Mishnah which becomes like this big whole discussion in terms of you know Jew-non-Jew relations our obligations to non-Jews and so on and the Gemara the Mishnah says like this you don't stop the poor of the non-Jews collecting because of Dark Shalom that's a very passive right one of Dark Shalom right which is that you don't uh, you know you don't proactively go and give them it's just you don't stop them if they come to your fields so Gemara says turn around and quote to bright up you support, sustain the poor of the non-Jews with the poor of Israel. By the way, notice in this quote of the Brita, the word for non-Jews is Nachrim, right? Not, not Akum, okay? Because here we want to emphasize that it applies to all non-Jews. All right, Mufanitin Aniyei Nachrim. One minute. Im Aniyei Yisrael, whom Yivakrin Cholei Nachrim. Im Cholei Yisrael, you visit them together. The Kovim Meisei Nachrim. Im Meisei Yisrael, you visit them together. Now, there's a couple of questions here. A lot of questions. Number one is, um, what does the Im mean? With, like you bury them with. The Jews, you mean bury them in the same cemetery? So Rashi says, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, no, Rashi says, Yisrael, Yisrael, Yisrael. If it's like part of the same effort, if you're going on an effort of burying, and you know, there's Jews and non-Jews, you take care of the non-Jews as well. If you're going out, and you're feeding the poor, so you know, you're basically feeding the Jewish poor, make sure to include the non-Jewish poor as well. You know, I, I don't exactly get the Mavakrin Cholin, but whatever, you're a chaplain, or whatever, you know, you're somebody that you're not just going to your friend to do, or the non-Jew is right next door, but somehow there's an e- the effort is primarily an effort for Yisrael, but then don't exclude the non-Jews. That's probably the shot, you know. It would be nice to read this in our more egalitarian age as, you know, together with means in the same way you do, like, you know, to take care of Aniyah Yisrael, you know, you should also be taking care of Aniyah Aku, but it doesn't have to mean, like, during the same effort. Um, so that's an interesting question about what the im means. The other question is, the big question is, is like, how do we explain, you know, the Darche Shalom here? I mean, the, it goes from the most sort of like self-serving explanation of what Darche Shalom means, which is like, you know, well, we want, them, we want to be nice to them, so they'll be nice to us. So we don't want to like do things that are just going to lead to conflict. It's type of Neeva, okay? You know, type of an explanation. But I want to remind you that there is a, um, you know, that the Darche Shalom before wasn't that we were sort of doing it in like a self-serving way, like the Kohen Levi Yisrael. It was just to create a society and a community that had less conflict, right? 
right? That people got along better together, right? Well, that was the idea of establishing certain norms so that people were getting along better together. So, you know, you could read this in a much more positive light that the Darchei Shalom is not so you all be nice to me. The Darchei Shalom is this is a better way of being with our neighbors, you know? And it's a more, it just encourages more general, peaceful, positive relations. Um, you know, nevertheless, it's not speaking about like we really like fundamentally, it's, it's not maybe as, again, you know, in, in our more egalitarian age, you know, would want it to sort of speak about like a, a primary responsibility, but nevertheless, it is speaking about what it means in terms of to have a society, you know, we want a society in which we also, it, it does speak about a positive value, at least at the societal level, it's not at the personal obligation level of taking care of one another. Now, Rambam reads this in a fascinating way because you remember the beginning of our discussions of Darche Shalom the Gemara says remember the Gemara sort of said that honoring the Kohen was Darche Shalom it says it's Joe Rice that says no 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 Kol Kula is Miknei Darche Shalom because it says Darche Darche Nom Chonisi Vaseh Shalom so the Rambam when he says Nefarnisi Naniye Yaakov Naniye Nochin Imani Yisrael Miknei Darche Shalom he says Farei Nemar Tov Hashem Lakol V'Racham Avokom Asav V'Nemar Darche Darche Noam V'Chonisi Vaseh Shalom which means the Rambam is saying that what we made Darche Shalom means is you're following the morals of the Torah, the values of the Torah. Darche Shalom are the ways of peace, are the ways of the Torah, which is Darche Darche Noam. And Hashem is Rachamav Akom Ma'asav. Right? You're doing godly type of activity and you're living a life according to the Torah values, which are, which is caring for other people. Right? And that's sort of the Darche Shalom, the care and concern for other people and, and, you know, and creating Shalom in the world. So he makes it much more of an intrinsic value. The last thing I'll say, and then I'll take the comments, is I heard also a very nice explanation from um, uh, Susan Stone, Suzanne Stone, and she said that, you know, if you reverse the order a little bit, not a little bit, if you reverse the order, it changes the whole emphasis. Meaning, normally we say, well, you know, when people give the self-serving meaning of Darche Shalom, which I don't think is what's being said here anyway, but if they give the self-serving, you know, they're nice to us, you know, know, we'll be nice to them, so they'll be nice to us. So she said, what happens if you would reverse the order? Because of everything we get from them, because of what we benefit by being part of a larger society, what do we have to, you know, how do we have to reciprocate What's our responsibilities towards that larger society? So if the Darche Shalom is, again, more like, what does it mean to be living together? And that also suggests, what are we getting, how do we benefit from being with them? And what responsibility, therefore, does it put upon us to act in a reciprocal manner? So it is important to appreciate the nuances of what Darche, because it's usually presented as self-serving, but I don't really think that that's all that's going on here. Charlie, you had your hand up. Yeah, excuse me. One is uh, Steinfeld, again, uses volume. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and saying this is this is discussed at more length in the sect of pay, and it becomes the same conclusion, but right. more detailed. Right. Okay, Dove, you wanted to say something? You mentioned order. I thought you were going somewhere else, and I noticed that the um, you could read this as a, a whole life cycle. So you feed them, you visit them when they're sick, and uh-huh. you bury them. Uh-huh. So it, it kind of encompasses. The so you and you have to pay attention to the, like be there for them like throughout the life yeah, cycle. It's, it's like it implies it implies the whole the whole life. You should be involved in all aspects, aspects of their life. Yeah. yeah. Um, what is the source for the idea that they're just covering straw? 
Oh, you mean that you bury the Jews separately? Yeah, I I can't remember off the top of my head, but certainly it was very well established. But uh, I mean, the Gemara already speaks about not burying tzaddikim together with rishayim. No, I think there's a brayta not burying tzaddikim with rishayim or Jews with non-Jews. I have to uh, yeah. Okay, now I want to by the way read you the Tosefta about this. It's Gimel Yudchet. Here's what the Tosefta says: by Yisrael Okay, over Nachrim, Hapanasim the tax the not the tzedaka the gabai tzedaka is what the Panasim was. Govim Yisrael ume avdei kochavim itmei shalom. So first, I want to point out that that's like a, a big, like profound, like darchei shalom is not only that I that I I give you when I give others, right? But that I see you as you know we're all equally responsible for our community. So when it's coming time to collect for the poor, I'm going to go to the non-Jews as well, right? That makes a statement like we're all part of the same community. I mean that's really profound, right? Ume furnishing the Anyway, the point is, it, it does not have the Im Yisrael. It says the Yisrael, and the end of it don't, it doesn't even have the Yisrael mentioned. So the Tosefta seems to be even more, you know, pushing about that greater sense of equal treatment and not just along with the Jews. Yes. But Tosefta was written in Eretz Israel? Yeah, as was the Mishnah. Yeah. But it's interesting that Rebbe chooses in the Mishnah to express a much more limited version of the Darche Shalom than in the Tosefta. Why do you suppose the rabbis didn't make a decision about the water which seems such a basic... Uh, yeah, we're back to that. I don't know. I mean, like I said, it was a frustrating end to that study. I don't know the answer. Yes? A, a modern analogy to this is, is the practice in Boston of putting furniture in your parking space when it's snowy, so there's, you know, kind of like... Is that a Kenyan? There you go. Interesting. Right, right, right. Okay, let's go on to now the next Mishnah. A little more Darche Shalom. Mashalos Isha Lechaberta Hachashud Al Ashviit. Nafa Vekiver Verechayim. So you can lend to your friend who you suspect, or not just you suspect, is, you know, they're suspected of not keeping the laws of Shemitah, and therefore maybe keeping grain in her house, that Shemitah grain that she shouldn't have taken in she should have gotten rid of um, and you can still lend her things like a sieve and a uh, uh, I don't know what a kavr is also some type of a of, of, of a dish what does it say kavr and rechaim a millstone what's a kavr there like a colander colander yeah like a sieve mm-hmm. anyway okay the tanur and an oven so you can let her use these things and you don't have to say oh I'm being misayeya yideo vreavera you don't have to worry about that because of darche shalom we let you ignore that problem now how do we let you ignore that problem we can talk about but anyway that's you're allowed to do you can lend her things. Don't actively do the grain with her. Then you really are being over But you want to lend her an object that's fine. Now Tosus brings in a whole discussion about a, in the sugya in Avodah um, and elsewhere about is it lifnei there to lend you something if I probably know what you're going to use it for, but I'm not sure. Okay, and you know, like I don't know. I know, like it's Friday afternoon and you come to borrow my lawnmower from me, right? So, I'm pretty sure you're going to be planning on mowing your lawn on Shabbos, but who knows? Maybe you're going to love, want to love, mow it right before Shabbos, or you'll mow it after Shabbos. You know, at what level of doubt do I have to say? That's not least either, because, you know, it's your choice what you're going to use it for. You could use it for many things. It's not clearly feeding into an Avera. So, Tos says that's possibly what's going on here. But Tos says, but if that was what was going on here, you wouldn't need the argument of Darkly Shalom. Then, if you really, if it was really as possible, she would be using it for other grain, and for grain that wasn't Shemitah grain, then that would be 
allowed even without Darche Shalom. So Tosa says it must be that, like, no, you, you're pretty certain that she is what she's going to use it for. But then it raises the question, but then how is it Mutter? Why isn't it like Lishnei there? And Tosa doesn't actually fully answer that question. One answer could be, and this comes up in discussions of Lishnei a lot for Tosos, because Tosos develops this idea elsewhere that if they can get the thing from someone else, you're not being over Lishnei Ever by you being the one to give it to them. That became a whole just justification for why, uh, you know, it was a major practice in the Middle Ages for Jews to sell religious items to non-Jews, to, to Christians, if you could believe it, right? So that was, I mean, there's a lot of jokes about that. Anyway, so the question is, how could they do that? Why is that least naive if you consider it a Vodazar or whatever? So says, oh, well, they could buy it from someone else. Who could they buy it from someone else? My other, from my, from my next door neighbor. Anyway, so anyway, so, but that's one issue. Like, why isn't this leaf state Yivir? Maybe because it's possible they're using it for something else or they could buy it from someone else. And we don't worry about that because of Darche Shalom. But don't actively engage in the process with them. Yes, Charlie. Yeah, this appears in Masekta Shavit. Um, yeah, and they come to that conclusion that it, as long as it might be you right. That, so that's what Tosus brings in. Yeah, reflection um, of Avodah right? What about, about exactly? Uh, yeah. Mishnayos and Avodah Zarah, Mishnayos Correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well, some of these not the exact same. Anyway, Eish is Chaver. Now, the wife of a Chaver who's careful on Trumas and Maisus and also careful on Tumatara, and we'll see. There's a debate which is the issue here. Mashalos Leishas Amaret can lend the wife of an Amaret. Not for the Kivra, not for Kivra, a sieve and a um, now here, not only can she lend her something, she can actually actively select the grain and grind it and, and sift it with her. So that's not a problem. And the Gemara is going to ask, why isn't that a problem? Okay, now the concern is here, what is the concern? The concern is either that she's going to be eating trumus and mice, you know, stuff without taking trumus and maestris, so you're helping her prepare food that's tevel, right? That's one concern. And the other concern might be that they're not careful about tuma, so she's making the grain that she's working with Tamei, okay? So, but here you can actively participate with her. Aval, once she puts the water into it, like she's making dough, do not touch her. So it sounds like the problem is a tumah problem. And therefore, before it, water has come in touch with it, it's not yet makabal tumah, right? So there's no problem. But once it touches water, then stop working with her because the reasons you can't actively work with them is you're strengthening those who are doing an aver, which doesn't mean you're necessarily enabling it, they would have done it anyway, but you're, A, you're assisting them, and B, you are, Mechazik is also, I think, more than just assisting, you're encouraging it, right? The fact that you're okay with it and you're participating in it. Um, and this raises a lot of interesting questions about what are the lines of Lifte Iver and Messiah Yidei Ovre Avera. The And the only reason we allow the other stuff, lending them things, or working with it before water touched it, that was Dark Shalom. So it's a balance of Dark without it spilling over into Machziki de Oreavera. Now, you can actually, although we said you can't be you know who you can encourage? Non-Jews who are working the land during Shemitah. Because non-Jews are allowed to work the land during Shemitah, and they're going to help make greater produce for the Jews to buy. So then you can encourage. Okay? Not Jews who are working the land during Shemitah. You actually go into the non-Jews and say, hey, how are you doing? You know, because of Darche Shalom. So is that Darche Shalom connected to the Shemitah? 
Aliyah, like you want to be really friendly because it's kind of partly encouraging them to work the land during Shemitah, or is that like back to like the Messiah, just like the taking care of the poor? Like you just want to be friendly with them. Yes. Yeah, even though there is, um, the land is worked by Gentiles, produce by Shemitah, produce That might be. Okay. So, but at least they're allowed to work the land. Now, Maishna Reisho Maishna Seifa says the Gemara, what's the difference in the beginning that you are not allowed to, uh, grind and sift with her when it's a Shemitah problem, but you are with this Eishas Am Haaretz. So, Amar Baye, Rov Am Haaretz Ma'astrin No, because we can basically assume that, um, that even though there's this concept of Demai, and we're concerned that Am Haaretz don't take charge of Maestras, we can assume that that's only a very minority, like, like the majority, you know, do it. So, therefore, if it's only a Trumas and Mises issue, we allow you to, for Dark Shalom, to assume, man, maybe it's okay in terms of the Trumas and Mises, and you can actually grind the grain with her. Once it comes in contact with water, and it becomes a Tumantara issue, that's much more sensitive. Okay, so for Rabaye, the shift from the beginning, which is okay and allowed because of Dark Shalom, is we allow you to sort of gloss over the, the Trumas and Mises, because Rove is okay, but when it becomes a Tumantara issue, that becomes a problem. That's how Rabaye explained it. After it's been processed, uh, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. You know, so it's not. I mean, it, it would still be the problem of like you know machazik. How much is just it, it's seeming to be okay since because the practice was to give it earlier. So you know, you're you're implying that it's okay, even if it's in principle. You're right. You could do it later. What we're dealing with is not a concern of Tumas and Maishas. We're concerned when we say Am Haaretz, Am Haaretz is used differently in different contexts. Who do we mean by an Am Haaretz? Like Tosos points out there's a sugi that discusses an Am Haaretz in terms of that they don't wear tzillin regularly or tzitzis regularly. Is Am Haaretz about observance of mitzvos? Is it about Tumatara? Is it about Maishas? It's used in very different ways in different contexts. So what Rav is saying is the Am Haaretz referred to in the Mishnah means somebody who's not careful in Tumatara. It has nothing to do with Tumas and Maestras. It's only a Tumantara concern. And the Tumantara is a rabbinic issue. Why is it a rabbinic issue? Let's take a look. Titani, we turn to the Brisa. Ezu Amaretz, Koshen Ochechuyav Betahara, Diva Rebmeir. Rebmeir says an Amaretz is somebody who is not concerned to eat Chulin Betahara. Okay? For Chachami, I mean, Koshen Omater Perotav. No, no, no. It's about somebody who doesn't keep Tumas and Maestras. So the way Rav explains it is. They're not doing chulin betara, so you can help them with that. That's not a problem. But all of a sudden, it becomes a problem when the water touches it. So presumably, it was not a problem at the beginning because it wasn't yet makabel tumah. So let's take a look at what the gemara says. Once water comes in contact with it, you can't help her. So So it seems like the beginning is not tumatara because if it was tumat, if the whole thing was about tumatara. Why did you need Darche Shalom to allow you to do the stuff before the water? Before the water, there's no problem at all. So it sounds like <coughs> there was some problem other than Trumas and Maestras that we needed Darche Shalom to solve. So the Gemara is saying no. Reisha Vesefa Betum No, it's all Tumantara, but here's the difference. The Reisha Betumat Chulin Vesefa Betumat Chala. Here's the difference. The water in the end is not about making it fit to be Makabal This grain was already fit to be Makabal Like when you process the grain and just to take off the husks or whatever you get it wet it's macabre tumor so what's the difference about when the water is added the point is what's she doing she's making flour when you add the water you've turned it into dough once you've turned it into dough it's chayv and challah if it's chayv and challah okay 
then, and you're making it Tameh, let's say she's tr- you trust her to take Chala. Right? According to Rava, there's no concern of Trumas and Maestros. But you are basically making the Chala that's in the dough Tameh. And that's a Doraisa concern of Tumatara. So the way Rava reads the Mishnah is, while it's not yet made into flour, you can work with her, because even though it's She's making chulin tameh. Chulin tameh is only some rabbinic chaver concern. It's not, it's not a, such a big deal. And you, therefore, you can waive it because of darche shalom. But once it becomes dough, and then it becomes a chala issue, and a truma issue, because chala is a type of a truma, that's a doraisa concern of making it tameh, then you have to stop working with her. Okay, so that's Rava's read of it. Raminu, I'll ask you on this. You can grind and uh, entrust your grain with people who eat shvita. Now, this is your grain. So you're going to their house. Maybe they're assisting you, okay? And you're grinding it in their house, you know, with their millstone, or you have, or you have them watch it for you. And you don't have to be concerned. Well, what are you concerned about? It's your grain. Everything's okay. Well, maybe if I leave it by them, maybe they'll, they'll swap my grain for theirs. No, you don't have to worry about that. Or people that eat, or people that eat their food in tumor. You don't have to be concerned that they might be careless with your stuff and touch it tamay. We can trust them to be careful about other people's property, and therefore that's okay to leave it by them. You can do your stuff in their house, but you cannot go ahead and grind for somebody who's eating, who you know, you know, eats, uh, is not careful about Shemitah, because you're helping them eat their Shemitah produce. Okay? Not for people who eat their stuff, because again, that's Misayayi de Ovrevera. Now, what's the problem with this? This sounds like it's not a concern of chala. It sounds like it's normal fruit, normal produce, and they're eating a betuma. That sounds like it's tuma with chulin. And according to Rava, right, what did Rava say? Rava says, you're allowed to help people with the, when it's about the chulin issue. You're only not allowed to help them when it's a truma or a, or a chala issue. Everybody with me here? Right? Rava reads the Mishnah that if it's chul, if, it, if, it, if, it, if it's to be eating your chul in Bituma, that actually you're allowed to help them with. So what's the problem here? Why can't you help them? So Amar Bai says Abaye, Hasan the coin of that called Truma Vitumaskina. No, no, no. That case that you can't help somebody with doing their stuff Bituma, we're talking about a Kohen. And since it's a Kohen, you have to be concerned that what we're dealing with is Truma. And then that really gets back to a Dil Raisa concern. That's why you can't help them. Okay? Yahi says that's true. Maskidin, now why is it that you're allowed to entrust them with your fruit? Why not? Vramini, I'll ask you. Maskidin Truma eats a Yisrael Amaretz. You can store your Truma by Yisrael and Amaretz because you know that they won't touch it. Zero eats a coin Amaretz, but not by a coin Amaretz. Because he feels very comfortable. Yeah, I'm not afraid of Truma. Yisrael's afraid of Truma. They keep their hands off, but I'm not afraid of Truma. I have Truma all the time. So if this home bright is talking about Christ of a Kohen, and that's why you can't help them because you're helping them get their Truma tame, why can you leave your Truma with them? You should also be concerned that they won't be careful with it. So the Gemara says, 
Okay, which is, makes it obviously very not shot of the bright side. Oh, here's why you can leave your truma with the Kohen, because you've got it in a pottery vessel with a, with, with a tight seal on it, so there's no way he can make it tame. If he, right, if he, if he touches it, if he, you know, whatever, there's no way he can touch it, there's no way even truma in the house can make it tame. Of course, it's not all shot of the bright side, then what's the chiddish? You know, oh, you can leave it by him if there's absolutely no way he can touch it. Anyway, the Gemara says, um, anyway, the Gemara has another problem anyway. And it's not true he can't make a Tameh. Because when his wife is a Nida, even if you don't touch it, if, you move, if you're a Tameh in this type of way, like it's a Tumas Haguf or whatever, and you move something, right, then that makes the thing inside of it Tameh, even if you didn't come in contact with it. So anyway, that's not Pshat. Which again makes it like not such an interesting brighter. Okay, when can you keep your stuff by the Kohen and you don't have to be afraid he's going to touch it? If anyway the stuff hasn't come in contact with water. So you don't have to be afraid he's going to touch it because even if he touches it he's not going to be, he's not going to make it tame. Alright? So now, I'm, you might be a little bit lost at this stage so I'll try to, I'll try to reorient you. Basically what we're saying is Rava says you can help somebody when they're dealing with Peres Betuma, Chulim Betuma, just not when it's Truma or Chala Betuma. Okay? So we've got this brighter that says you can't help somebody when they're doing it Petuma. So he says, well, we're talking about a Kohen. That's why it's, it's a Kohen, it's Truma too, you can't help him. Why can you leave stuff with him if we don't trust Kohanim to leave Truma by them? Because we're talking about a special case where the Truma hasn't come in contact with water, and therefore it's a special case where he won't be able to do anything anyway. All right, which is certainly not shot. Anyway, the Gemara says like this. Ramina, I'll ask you on this. kuti. You bring you bring your grain to a uh, what's your gear set here? Litochen what? Is kuti a Samaritan? Yeah, I know what kuti is, but does it have kuti or does it have nachi? Because sometimes kuti is a is a uh, is, okay. Sometimes kuti is a what do you call it? Is a, is a uh, uh, a censoring. Anyway, okay. You bring your grain to a grinder who's a Samaritan. So they're the ones that are going to be grinding your grain. You can assume that they didn't swap it out, that it's the same grain you brought them. In terms of that, you know, it's, it, you don't have to be afraid that they swapped it with something that's Shemitah produce or something that's Tevel. You can assume they did not swap your grain out. But what you can't have to be concerned of is they might have come in contact with it. Okay? So the Gemara says, so how is that? So look, you are afraid that they're going to come in contact with it. And uh, I thought we said that you can keep stuff by a Cohen and you don't have to be afraid he's going to come in contact with it. So what's the story? And it says, hi, my room, you. What's the question? We already said, no, 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 the times you're not concerned are special cases when it didn't come in contact with water. But basically we're saying we are concerned that people will touch it and make it tamay. Uh, so the Gemara says, fine. But Kari may lay my Kari lay. So what, what was even occurred to you to ask the question? We've already said that. That the only time we're not concerned is when it didn't come in contact with water yet. So the Gemara says, Mishum, Mishum to You're right. We really didn't put it in because of the question. We knew the answer, but we wanted to get this text on the table because then we wanted to ask a follow-up question. So it's very interesting when the Gemara is transparent about that. Okay, we didn't really have a question about this, but we wanted to introduce this into the conversation. So let's just pause now because it's now going to switch gears, okay, and it is a little confusing. What the Gemara concluded is the following: According to Rava, you can't help somebody with with truma betuma. 
but you can help them with chulin betuma. That's okay. Um, and in far of a separate question of if you entrust something to somebody, uh, do you have to be concerned that they might have touched it? You know, if they're tamei and they might have come in contact and touched it. So the answer is is that basically the Gemara has now said the basic answer is yes, although the brayta before sounded like no. And the only case where you don't have to be concerned that they touched it is where would it matter anyway? Where it has not come in contact with water, so they're touching it wouldn't make a difference. So the basic point is you always have to be concerned that they might have touched it. Okay, now the Gemara is going to get to going to switch gears to talk about the other issue. Do you have to be afraid that if you give something to somebody, they might swap it out with something else? Because the first part that said you can give it to this grinder, this amaaretz, this kuti. You give them the, your big bags of flour. You come and you pick it, your big bags of like wheat. You come and pick it up like a day later and it's turned into flour. You can trust that it's the same wheat that you gave them. You don't have to be concerned that they swapped it. Is this really true that we're not concerned that things might have been swapped? So let's take a look. The Gemara says like this. Um, this you can assume it's the same grain you don't have to be worried in terms of Tevel and Shemitah you don't have to be worried that it was swapped out with something else is that really true we're not concerned that you might get, something might get swapped we talk, we, I'll ask you a question we teach a Mishnah if you give something to your mother-in-law to prepare for you here now here here's some flour would you mind baking us some bread for Shabbos or making us some cakes or whatever okay so you give something to your mother-in-law some flour for her to prepare something for you okay so you have to take tumas and maizas from the, gra- from the flour you're giving her and when she again brings you back the cake that she baked you have to take tumas and maizas from it why? because we're afraid that she swapped it out with her own flour which isn't, doesn't have tumas and maizas and if she swapped it out so if it was, you didn't take tumas and maizas before then she would be eating tevel because you've given her this flour that's tevel. So you have to take it before because she might swap it out and wind up eating it. If you don't take too much of after, well, again, if she swapped it out, she's giving you from her flour, which is tevel. So you have to take too much of both before and after. Basically, we're concerned that she swapped it. Because she suspects she suspects she, she suspected of swapping if it gets ruined now here the reason she would swap it out is not because oh you know she wants to take something that's of greater value oh look you've got this nice flower I'll give you my dad flower no she's your mother-in-law this is actually you know your mother this is the opposite of a mother-in-law jokes she cares about you so therefore what's going to happen is she'll take your flower she'll bake a cake but the cake will fall so she's not going to say, oh, here's the fallen cake that I just bought you. No, she'll throw that in the garbage, then she'll take her own flour and make a cake. So that's why. It's because she's trying to do good that you might wind up getting something that was her own flour. Okay? So, ah, you see, we're concerned that things get swapped. So the Gemara says, But okay, there it says the reason. It's a special case. It's a case of the mother-in-law. Okay? It doesn't mean that every case we're concerned of things getting swapped. That's a special case. Okay. I'm a reviewed and reviewed it spells it out. He wants for the benefit of her daughter, so wants to give her something nice. And she doesn't want to be embarrassed from her son-in-law. So she, it's not like she wants Dafka to help her son-in-law, but she'll be embarrassing for her son-in-law, and she wants to help her daughter, so she'll swap it out and make something of her own flower if the first thing got ruined. And let's just read one more case. Are you telling me we're not concerned that other people might swap it out? That's not. 
if you give some flour, you're staying at an inn, and you give some flour to the uh, to the uh, innkeeper, the woman innkeeper, and you say, here, you know, can you bake for me some bread? Same halacha. You have to take tumas and maizes before and after, because you're afraid she might swap it out with her flour. Just swap it out. So you see, we are concerned. Mrs. No. There, she rationalizes. And what does she say to herself? What? This yeshiva bachar. Because that's why they would stay at the inn, because they were learning at the yeshiva. This yeshiva bachar should get fresh bread, and I have to eat my old stale bread. So therefore, she's going to go ahead and, you know, take, basically take this for, you, for herself and maybe give you her day-old bread that she had baked for herself. Right? Because she'll say, you know, it's not fair. So anyway, so that's why, so there are some special cases that we're afraid of it, but as a rule, we're not afraid of it. Okay, so we'll pick up with this tomorrow. Yes. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't the tithes there be taking your 